My name's Chris Sturgis. I'm an elder here. And for those of you who are new, I'm not the normal person who does this, so don't hold that against the church. For those of you who have heard me do this before, thank you for not leaving. I appreciate that as well. Um, so why 117 days? Well, as the prayer team worked on an event, they were trying to find a kickoff date. And it turned out that with the holidays, this was going to be the best day to start. But they didn't want just a one-day event. So they found that the, day, the National Day of Prayer is May 2nd. And if you count days between today and May 2nd, 117 days. So Pastor Tom and Elizabeth Gross and my wife Stacy were in the back of the church one day trying to figure out what to do with 117. And so Tom said, well, I'll look in the Bible for verses that are like chapter 1, verse 17, or chapter 11, verse 7. And Stacy grabbed a Bible and said, what about Psalm 117? And they looked it up, and it was perfect. Or as we like to say in the Sunday school class I'm usually in with Todd Zeter at this point in time, what a coincidence. Psalm 117, praise the Lord all nations. Extol him all peoples, for great is his love toward us, and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. That's it. Two verses. Shortest book of the Bible. Shortest chapter, I should say. Right in the middle of the Bible. I spoke just a second ago about using the word coincidence that we use in jest about things we discover in, in Sunday school. The other thing that tends to happen in our Sunday school class is we go down what we call rabbit holes. Sometimes we delve more deeply into a topic than anybody, especially poor Todd Zeter, had imagined. I mean, we have been studying Luke for 16 months now. But we are to chapter 20, so we're making progress. I figure by the end of this year we may be to a different book. So before we delve more deeply into prayer and the prayer challenge, please indulge this little rabbit hole about Psalm 117. Psalm 117 is part of what's called the Hallel, and it's a group of six psalms that were sung during the Passover meal. Psalms 113 and 114 would be sung early in the meal, and then Psalms 115 through 118 after the meal ended. So that got me to thinking. Psalm 117 was sung by Jesus and his disciples in the upper room on the night he was betrayed. In the Gospel of Matthew, in chapter 26, verses 26 through 30, it says, Now as they were eating, Jesus took bread, and after blessing it, broke it, and gave it to the disciples, saying, Take, eat, this is my body. And he took a cup, and when he had given thanks, he gave it to them, saying, Drink of it, all of you. For this is the blood of the covenant, which is poured out for many for the forgiveness of sins. I tell you, I will not drink it again of this fruit of the vine until the day when I drink it with you in heaven. Now that's very familiar, but that only goes up to verse 29. And I have to confess that in verse 30, I've often used that as a transition, which is a failure I have in reading the Bible. I skip over things wanting to get to the next story. I'm familiar enough to be dangerous that way. And it reads... And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. 
Psalm 117, this coincidental finding by the prayer team, was part of what Jesus sang, knowing what was about to happen. And if you can imagine, 12 voices instead of the one that you'll hear, this is what it may have sounded like. That's what it would have been like in a dirty upper room with our Lord and Savior getting ready to sacrifice himself for us, singing praises to God. Again, let me read Psalm 117. Praise the Lord, all nations. Extol him, all peoples. For his steadfast love towards us and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord, all nations. This is a reminder that God's love and grace is intended for all people, not just one race, one religion. It's for all people. Extol him, all peoples. Paul in Romans 15, 11, quotes Psalm 117 as part of his argument that Jewish and Christians, uh, Gentile Christians, should worship together and welcome each other for his steadfast love, toward, for great is his steadfast love towards us. Steadfast, according to Merriam-Webster in the dictionary, means fixed firmly in place, immovable. God's love for us, for each of us, is firmly fixed in place. It never wavers, and it is immovable. And I don't know about you, but that's a gift I don't often merit. And the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. You know, an article I read said that God's faithfulness is a characteristic of God's nature. It denotes the firmness or constancy of God in his relations with men and with women. And it endures forever. As Psalm 117 finishes, praise the Lord. As I looked into Psalm 117 and connecting it to the beginning of this 117-day prayer challenge, I became fascinated with how prayer and praise, both parts of worship, intertwine. And really, I began to think that our lives should reflect constant worship. I mean, ideally, it would be solely worship. As Paul says in his letter to the Thessalonians in chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, rejoice always, pray without ceasing. And for the second service, I will remind those people who grew up with Netflix and, and smartphones that that's kind of like binge praying. You pray without ceasing. You give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. And that got me to thinking about some circumstances we all face. We all go through trials and tribulations, not easy circumstances. Sometimes it's little hills. Sometimes it is peaks and valleys. And let's face it, some days are just hard. We don't know if we're going to make it through. That got me to thinking about trials and tribulations Jesus went through. So about three years before singing Psalm 117, he faced trials and tribulations of his own. 
In Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 11, we read, Then Jesus was led up by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he answered, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and set him on the pinnacle of the temple and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, lest you strike your foot against the stone. Jesus said to him again, It is written, You shall not put the Lord your God to the test. Again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world in all their glory. And he said to him, All these I will give you if you fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. Now again, this is very familiar scripture to many of us. And it reminds us that while we are saved, we're called to live a life, a kingdom life here on earth. A life that certainly moves in and around sin and temptation but we have to connect with our Lord if we're to live righteously. We must pray. In the passage out of Matthew that I just read, Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, and the Holy Spirit guided Jesus. And as I mentioned just a moment ago, and I too often do with the Bible, I'm trying to get to the chase, so to speak. I mean, I know this story, so when I read it, let's get to the tempting and overcoming the temptation. Let's get on with the story. Let's get to the victory. But by doing that, I missed such an important part of this passage, that Jesus fasted 40 days and 40 nights. Now, fasting in Jesus' time was not some fad diet, but instead was a means of focusing intently on prayer. So while Jesus didn't eat, more importantly, he prepared for his battle with Satan by spending 40 days in intense prayer with God the Father. Jesus, in his earthly life, was always victorious because he spent time with the Father. In fact, the Bible records 25 different times when Jesus prayed during his earthly ministry. So, church, 117 days of prayer. And for those of us that didn't make any resolutions or have already broken those, let's commit to these 117 days. Now, I know there are many people in this church that have prayed every day for many years. But for some of us, 117 days of focused and intense time with God will be something new. There is going to be a breakfast down in the family center after the service at 10, so between services. And down there, there's going to be cards that you can pick up. And as you came in, you might have seen signs that look something like this. These are some prayer commitment cards. And, and what I'd like you to do is, is look over and take some. For instance, we have one for the chapel that says, let us put on the armor of God as we take our place on the front lines for First Christian and praying for our people, our ministries, our building, and our leadership. Cover FCC in prayer by praying for the chapel, women's Bible study, and other small groups that meet here, deeper learning in the word, and blessings on members. There's one for the bell tower, the prayer room, the playground. There's a whole bunch of different things, and I'm going to ask that you commit to praying for a couple specific things for First Christian. 
And if you've got a prayer routine that you've used for years, add this in. It doesn't have to be something new. And it may feel strange to pray for a building or an item. But as you look at the signs, I think you'll find that there's a deeper meaning in something that goes beyond just the item. So 117 days. Now when we pray, we can pray wherever we are. But the Bible specifically mentions five specific postures for praying. We can sit, we can stand, we can kneel, with one's face to the ground or with one's hands up. But I'm sure if you pray to God in any posture with a focus on him, he will be delighted. The pastor A.W. Tozier often can be found in his church office on his stomach, hands out, and face to the ground. Many people who were coming to meet him for the first time were concerned about his health, but that's the way he felt he could get close to God. So we pray without ceasing and in any position. What areas should we be praying about? Jesus gives an example in Luke when he says prayer should have five areas of focus. That God's name be honored, the focus on his everlasting glory, that his kingdom will come. That God's provision is given, that focus being on our present, our daily bread. That God's forgiveness is granted, this focuses on our past, forgiving our sins, and forgiving those who sin against us. And finally, that God's deliverance is provided, focusing on the future. What else do we do when we pray? Well, first of all, thank God. Be grateful for what God has given you, where you are. And it may be in a valley right now, but thank God. Praise the Lord. Have conversations with God. Incorporate prayer into everyday mundane activities. If you're folding the laundry, pray. Driving to work, pray. Waiting in line, pray. Sing a song of praise to God as a prayer. Be creative, but be steadfast in our prayers. And as we pray, give everything over to God. We need to stop worrying about what the answer or his will is. In Philippians 4, 6, we're told, do not be anxious about anything, but in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And in Matthew chapter 6, Jesus reminds us that we're not to be anxious about our life, what we will eat, what we will wear, or what we will drink. God is in control. Now, while I'm a firm believer in praying anytime, anywhere, I also believe that we need to set aside some alone time to be with our Lord. Turn off the world. Electronics, put them away. TV, put it away. Maybe even a room away from the rest of your family. In fact, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 6, Jesus tells us that when we pray, we are to go into our room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. Pastor Tozier that I mentioned before in his book, The Pursuit of God, says that it's important that we still wait and get still and wait for God. He recommends being alone with our Bible spread before us. And as we do this, we may draw near to God, and we may hear him speak to us. We need to pause be quiet and listen. Tozier goes on to say that we might experience a progressive drawing nearer to God. Initially, the quiet, in the quiet, there might be a sound, like a presence walking in the garden. 
Then a voice more intelligible but far from clear. Then a time when the Holy Spirit begins to illuminate the scriptures. And that which had been only a sound or at best a voice now becomes an intelligible word, warm and intimate, and as clear as the word of a dear friend. Then will come life and light and best of all, ability to see and rest. Rest in and embrace Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord. That's the reward that Jesus speaks of in Matthew chapter 6. And I have to say, that alone time is where I fall short. And I can give an example from this last week. Sometimes it seems like God is up there or out there, but he's not around me. This last week when we got all the snow, I remembered to thank God because we need the moisture in this, in this place all the time. But what I forgot to do was take the time. I mean, I got an extra day off work. And I settled in with my family, and, and we spent time together. But I didn't go spend time with God, who was all around me. And as I worked on this yesterday, it was almost like God tapped me and said, I was there. Where were you? Let's focus so that we can know when God is right here and wanting to speak with us. The reward also that Jesus speaks of is talked about in John 14, verses 12 through 14. Truly, truly, I say to you, whoever believes in me will also do the works that I do, and greater works than he, these will he do, because I am going to the Father. Whatever you ask in my name, this I will do, that the Father may be glorified in the Son. If you ask me anything in my name, I will do it. In an article in a recent Decision magazine, Jonathan Falwell has an article on prayer. And he says that our battles in life are against powers we are unable to conquer outside of pow the power and presence of prayer. As we move forward toward a closer relationship with the Father, we should expect to be tested and tempted. As with any new thing, you have people around you. If I say I want to lose weight, everybody at first is like, that's great, until I start to make changes. And then they're uncomfortable with my changes. Well, as we start to get to a closer and more intimate and personal relationship with God, there's somebody that's going to be irritated. And that's the same person I talked about that Jesus dealt with. So expect to be tested, expect to be tempted, but also expect to overcome. Falwell goes on to say that in this media age, we have pushed prayer to the sidelines of our faith, and our churches suffer as a result. How often do we say a quick prayer to get to a meal, as opposed to making the prayer the meal? How often do we just say something quickly so we can go somewhere else, so we can transition even in the church service we do it. We want to do something, we say a quick prayer. He continues by saying, we often find ourselves discouraged over published studies that indicate a move toward irrelevance or lack of power within the church. We lament that many have stopped regularly coming in favor of other activities. Yet prayer, our greatest opportunity for a course correction, is sitting in the fringes of our schedules. Often the church bemoans our culture and its radical departure from biblical truth. We rail against a society that has cast aside biblical admonition to live in the constant pursuit of holiness. Yet the greatest possibility we have of turning our culture back to God is not found in words of attack and condemnation, but rather in cries from our heart to a holy God 
in desperate times of prayer. So let these 117 days be a beginning for us to seriously cry out to God for a revival. As Pastor Tozier said, to desire revival and at the same time neglect prayer and devotion is to wish one way and walk the other. We must recognize the connection between a disciplined prayer life and the great move of God that we long to see. We must move from cursory nods of prayer, a means of moving one part of the service or a meal or whatever, to the next level, to the powerful yet harder prayer meetings. Prayer the way God wants us to pray can be hard work. Falwell goes on to say that when the church and its members believe in the real power of prayer, change will be inevitable. We must return to the days of gathering together for no other purpose than to cry out to God for revival. Our churches need to once again become a house of prayer. Let us change this culture not through social media posts or t-shirts that we wear, but by getting on our knees before God. So as we head into this time of prayer, these 117 days, let us desire to grow a more intimate relationship with God. Walk this church and pray over it. Look at the signs as you pass them and offer up prayer. Encourage each other. Keep a prayer journal. Maybe even find a prayer partner. But absolutely commit to praying. And let us know how it's going. Let the elders or the ministers know how it's going. Are you having a hard time? Do you need help? Has something happened in your life that you'd like to share because of your constant committed prayer? And perhaps starting your time with God and maybe even ending the prayer, it would be coincidental, but certainly appropriate to say, praise the Lord all nations. Extol him all peoples. For great is his steadfast love towards us and the faithfulness of the Lord endures forever. Praise the Lord. Father God, we have not enough time or not enough to offer you for the gifts that you have given us. We would ask only that you open our hearts to you, that you strengthen us, that we might come before you, praying constantly, making the change that we long to see possible through you. And it's in your son's holy name we pray. Amen.
Till my trouble 